0: Hello, you're listening to Reminisce, the Empowered Podcast, where, and this is your host, Ryan Reed. We have a special guest tonight. It is Cortland Jones, and we are going to discuss the importance of teacher self-care. Cortland, can you just introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about what you do?
1: Sure, thank you, Ryan. Hello, everybody. My name is Cortland Jones. I'm an educator in Prince George's County public schools. This is my twenty-six year serving in the field of education. I am also an author. My first book published Out of the Darkness, A Journey into the Marvelous Light, was published in February 2014. And I have another book, Apples of Grace, 31 Days of Inspiration for the Educator, that's coming out this fall, 2018. And I also offer coaching for individuals who are aspiring authors, as well as entrepreneurs. I assist teachers who are interested in coaching for classroom management, as well as those who are just interested in personal growth. And I just started working with youth as well to help them write and publish their own book.
0: Mm-hmm. So it seems like you have a, a deep passion for self-care overall, So when you look at teacher self-care, do you see that as a collaborative activity or an individual experience? How do you define teacher self-care?
1: I do see it as collaborative as well as individual. How I would define it is making sure I prioritize time and opportunity for my own growth as well as my own recuperation being able to replenish from the reality of the daily and week grind and being an educator, as well as the uh, self-awareness or self-reflection that is required in order for me to make sure I'm progressing in my professional practice. So I look at self-care as both the professional side, the things that I need to do in order to make sure I'm advancing and doing well, feeling good about myself, professional self-esteem, I call it, as well as the personal side, making sure I'm mentally and emotionally well, making sure I'm taking care of my well-being, being being self-aware when I need a break, and um, doing the things that I need to do to just make sure that I'm doing okay. Mm
0: -hmm. That is excellent. So um, when you talk about the teacher particularly, is there certain triggers? that you think teachers experience um, more often or that is unique to the teacher that's different from other professions and um, other individuals?
1: I would say I believe it's dependent on various factors for the teacher. One that comes to mind is, is just the challenge that comes with the consistent expectations that increase as far as our role and what we're asked to do in the classroom. And then you couple that with the increase in classroom sizes. And every teacher doesn't have the privilege of teaching the same child. So if I happen to have an increased class size with children who um, spy their behavior, conduct consistently or challenging, that's going to increase mm-hmm. my stress level. Uh, and then I'm being looked at or rated on my performance based on student output. So those are just some of the factors, but I think it's unique to us as educators because of the specific job that we do. And and so therefore, unless you are in some way connected to education or you have people in your circle that you talk to as far as what we deal with, um, it might be hard to understand some of the stressors, uh, triggers that cause a teacher to experience that, what we call teacher burnout.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. I think um, in this day and age, um, there is a high level of trauma that our students bring to the classroom, and I think that uh, teachers, one, are not always prepared for that um, because, you know, they might not have experienced that in their own personal life, or they um, are – experiencing trauma that they bring into the classroom for their own personal life. So um, I think that's one of the areas that people um, who are not teachers don't always understand and that the um, training that we receive does not always prepare us for that level of trauma either. I know um, for me particularly as an educator, I noticed that this year I have a lot of students who talk about suicide who um, are afraid of bullying, who are bullied because they've been bullied when they were younger, so they didn't have the correct coping skills to deal with those things. So now educators are tasked with dealing with the um, social-emotional issues that students bring on top of the academic ones, and I think that adds to.
1: Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, The biggest thing I would take away from what you're saying is teachers who really value their role, who really care about their role as an educator, they're going to care about their kids, and they're going Mm -hmm. to create an environment that will allow students to feel safe enough to address those particular type of concerns that you bring up. I also agree that because if you take, for instance, homelessness, like we're not even informed about who those children are. So there are certain right, types
2: right. of trauma
1: we wouldn't even be aware of um, and would in no way be able to address trauma unless the child themselves bring it up and then just based on the, I hate to use the word pacing, of the class, when right, right, would uh-huh. I be allowed the opportunity to assist a child with trauma? That's, you know, we're directed to send certain situations immediately to guidance. However, I I do believe there is a level of empathy that we can model
2: mm-hmm. if we
1: just – Create the type of environment that is inviting, welcoming, accepting, encouraging um, that is affirming i I do believe we can address it in that way, where students embrace and enjoy coming into our classroom uh, as opposed to a classroom where it is a little bit more unsettling consistently
2: Mhm.
0: Yeah, so what can teachers do in their classroom to model self-care for the students as well as use those strategies for the teacher's own self-care?
1: Well, I think that's a great question. I actually have the privilege this year of teaching writing enrichment and in the curriculum for writing enrichment in Prince George's County, I am able to address self-awareness which also encompasses self-concept, how the student sees themselves, the thoughts and feelings they have, self-esteem. So we've actually mm-hmm. been talking about how to deal with emotions and learning how to identify them and put words to them. I actually have periods in the class during the week Was able write down, I'll have a list of emotions on the uh, smart board, so they can visually see the words and then they get to choose the words that they felt in the last week and then write their responses about why they felt that way. And it actually mm. gave me an opportunity to refer a student to guidance based on the content that was written on their paper. So sometimes the students will cry out you know, without having to directly say something to you to let to let you know that they need assistance. So just being able to allow students to verbalize how they're feeling or write them down, uh, to check in with them, ask them how they're doing, how was your day, whether you do it directly with a student or with a group of students. I had one student a few years back who mentioned the fact that their parents were arguing a lot, and it appeared that they were going to... moved towards divorce, so I pulled out a journal, and I told her at any time, if you want to, you want to put the journal in a particular place in the classroom, and whenever you feel the need, you can just go and write in it. I'll never look at it. And uh, she did that, and over time she felt better. So mm-hmm. um, also, you know, without telling too much of your business, you know, learning how to use words, that kind of um, relate to self-awareness, talking about how you feel on a particular day without necessarily you know, using the kids as counselors, um, talking about things that may be disappointing or frustrating, um, but then also managing those emotions Uh, learning how to be calm in stressful situations as an educator, that has been always one of my goals. So no matter how challenging the environment may be in the classroom with any particular student or class, modeling calmness, modeling patience. And um, Mm -hmm. I would say for me the biggest thing that I have applied, whatever words relate to behaviors that I want to see the student practice, I have learned how to make sure that those words are a part of my daily vocabulary, like focus. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying stop talking, I just say I need everybody to focus right now. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, all, all the um, Go
0: ahead. I definitely see that um, as also a way to bring up positive affirmations when you're using a positive of what you want to see instead of talking about the negative. That is um, definitely essential for building a positive classroom environment for both the teacher and the student. And I also see the value of the, the teacher, like you said, not sharing all your uh, personal business, but for the students to see that the teacher is also a person and the, per- and the teacher is a part of the community. So building mutual respect
1: with that, too. Yeah, because you you know as an educator, if they see you in the grocery store, they're like (laughs) shocked. Yeah. You know, or at the movie theater, because they really don't. They think you're just at the building all day, every day. And so there is a level of humanity they begin to associate with us when they see us in environments that are not in the classroom.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and one way yeah. we can do that is to bring some of our life into the room. So making those positive connections kind of, I feel, wins them over to cooperate more.
0: Yes, definitely. Definitely, I teach um, at the high school level, so you know at this age, um, they're not always shocked that they see me in public. But um, I can see that some of my students that are disengaged sometimes, and when they see me in public, they actually are—they're—they're uh, po- they're happy to see me. You know, they—they don't yeah. have that um, negative um, face They're not disengage, they greet you, so, you know, from that experience meeting or seeing the students in public, that also goes back to the classroom, and then when they feel unsafe, they know, oh, I can go talk to Ms. Reed because she's going to listen to me, So, and it's so important to just be a listener at times as well.
1: I agree because, again, teacher self-care is not just about your personal part of you, it's about your professional part as well. You're spending a significant amount of time with the student and that time that you're in the room, everybody has goals and it's, you know, it's not always academic related but when we're in that room everybody has goals and the main one is, is, is the lesson. There are other goals that are as important in each person's eyes, but the main one is the lesson. So, part of my teacher self care is winning the student over to collaborate and cooperate with me so we can uh, get in the practice of teaching and learning. And mm-hmm. so, how do I make those connections so my stress level is not always on 10? And they're not always, as you said, disengaged and fighting with me over what we know we need to do every day. Mm -hmm. And so part of my self-care is about practicing the strategies that help, I call, um, influence student adversaries to become classroom allies. Because not all of the students are choosing to be adversarial. I may perceive them that way. So my
0: right, right,
1: self-reflection, my self-awareness. I actually had to apologize to a student early in my career because every time they would ask to help pass things out, I assumed they were going to cause disruption. So eventually I went to the child and apologized to them because I was perceiving them to be a disruptive adversarial child, but they never demonstrated behavior that would suggest that. Right, Um, right. And so, you know, being honest as a professional, that I have perceptions sometimes that create stress that may not necessarily exist. Um, Mm -hmm. so, So how can I continue to encourage myself and hold myself accountable to what I expect of my students modeling it, as you talked about, so then my students can agree with me. Yeah, we need to cooperate now and listen more instead of doing that continuous talking that we do so the teacher can accomplish their goals. So that, mm-hmm. that's part of it. I believe that professional part is as important as the personal part as it relates to self-care.
0: Mm-hmm. And I also think about the importance of restorative justice and restorative practices um, for building a community to sometimes be explicit in talking about um, what those barriers are. Like you said, you were very honest and open um, with your students about the mistakes that you made, and then you were able to mend that relationship and move forward to focus on the academics when that um, might have hindered your progress in the classroom if you didn't um, address that with the student. So um, restorative justice and restorative practices um, are another way that we can practice self-care in the classroom and for professional and personal. Um, I also thought about if there are any um, particular strategies that are like minimal cost that you can do with your students during the school day to model for yourself and the students?
1: Uh, The first thing that comes to mind, you know, breathing techniques, teaching our kids, just like we would have, you know, the fire drill practice. How about creating some type of calming down technique practice in the classroom? Um, Every now and then I will pull out different songs from YouTube that are just inspirational songs that I like to listen to. One of them that comes to mind is The World's Greatest by R. Kelly. And you just take a moment. It's a five-minute song. We all listen to it and reflect on what is the song saying to us. or You know, maybe a poem by one of your favorite poets, Maya Angelou, whoever comes to mind. But these, I, I believe, are practical things Sometimes when I was outside the classroom, I would just ask kids, you know, if you can't put words to how you feel, what about on a scale of one to four? Pick a number, one meaning, you know, really bad, four meaning great, and then explain why you feel that way. Or just giving them an opportunity to talk with each other, you know, because that's a battle we have sometimes. They want to talk and we want to teach. (laughs)
2: <laughs> so mm-hmm.
1: um, one of the things I did recently, because they were cooperating and doing a very good job with what we were doing, I said, if you, if you can uh, continue cooperating with me, I'll give you five minutes to just communicate with each other, to just socialize. But when that five minutes is up, I need us to come back so we can finish up what we're doing. And they did. So I just believe, as an educator, having an awareness of the room. um, I remember one writing assignment I gave them, and we would just, you know, it was a free writing is what I called it, something I learned when I was in college. And when I read their responses, just about every child said they were sleepy and tired uh, in relation to what they wrote down. And that was my Hmm. first class of the day. So, you know being mindful of that, that regardless of whether I think they should be awake and alert, the reality is most of the kids in the class were saying that they were sleepy and tired. So how can I use that to my advantage instead of, you know, just continuing to expect them to be something that they're not in the moment?
0: Right, right. Yeah, and I also think it's important to be um, culturally relevant um, with the instruction that we bring to the classroom in order to bring that level of engagement where they feel like they're being respected um, as an individual in the classroom. I um, agree. So so when you brought up the music and art, you know, that is a great way to build the culture of your classroom and respect everyone's culture, and you learn about the students as individuals, too.
1: Yeah, because if you think about what you're saying, and you, you put, put it next to what we understand teacher self-care to be, if a majority of my day, week, and hours that I spend is with this group of students, however many that is, whether it's one group, all day, or multiple groups, and most of my stress is coming from that interaction, regardless of what causes the stress, then it would seem I would be mindful to make sure that I'm making connections consistently that reduces that stress level for everybody, um, Mm -hmm. including myself. And so, yeah, definitely being culturally aware of my environment and also looking at creative ways in which I can allow the students to participate in the class that aren't always uh, directly tied to the curriculum uh, in a way that allows them to feel connected definitely Mm -hmm. goes a long way in getting them to buy in to what you're seeking to accomplish with them.
0: Mm-hmm. I think about the um, idea of being seen in the classroom, and oh, that yeah. um, is definitely important with understanding an individual's culture um, to reduce the stress level that the student is having and, and also um, the teacher is having. So do you see me and also do you hear what I have to bring Um, to the classroom environment, and when people are seen and heard, then they feel more comfortable in that space.
1: Well, one thing that comes to mind with what you're saying uh, that I had to learn coming back to the classroom when I was outside the classroom for 10 years, I was doing peer mediation conflict resolution, so there was a direct hands-on involvement with the students and their personal lives because of the things that they would come forth to reveal and we would discuss. And then coming back to the classroom, there is that um, barrier that you don't have that direct communication all the time. So one way I aided myself as well as my students in that being seen and heard, instead of putting the names of the students on the board who were disruptive, I would put the names of the students on the board who were cooperative.
2: Mm, mm
1: -hmm. And then then all of a sudden, the students who weren't cooperating, hey, how come my name is not up there? All I need you to do is cooperate and I'll put it up there. And at a particular point, I left the names up for the week. So as each day went by, more and more names would go up and literally the kids would go over to the board and they would try to find their name. And they would be excited if their name was up there. So Mm -hmm. I stopped giving a lot of classroom time and energy to students who were drawing attention away from instruction. And I started learning how to give more time and attention to the students who were supporting the instruction.
0: Definitely. That is perfect. Yes. Uh Uh-huh.
1: That was, that was the, you know, coming back to the classroom, that was one that really helped me. Another one, we called it greeting them at the door. I was at uh, Drew Freeman Middle School my first year back in the classroom, which was a very challenging environment at the time. And we were really trying to figure out how we could influence more student cooperation. As the year went on, we succeeded in one strategy that I began to employ, you know, you talk about not spending any money. Um, it was just simply greeting them at the door. And that was an opportunity for me to say to that particular child, um, I'm looking forward to us being successful in class today.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you
1: start saying things like that, and you start seeing that they're actually willing to cooperate And I started sharing that success of of just catching them at the door with other teachers. And before you know it, both the writing the names on the board and catching them at the door started spreading because it was working. And so I agree that being seen and heard does play a role. And being heard could be as simple as asking them Um, what kind of things they would like to see happen in the room, and if it's Mm -hmm, reasonable, mm -hmm. why not figure out how we can make that work?
0: Definitely, definitely. I noticed that, um, especially with my most um, troublesome students, is they don't feel seen and heard. So um, when they do get an opportunity to even share, you know, even instructional Advice, You know, they've been students, so they know what their learning styles are uh, sometimes. And when you listen to that, you see better results in their engagement in the classroom. Yeah. Which reduces the stress for the teacher.
1: Right. So that teacher self-care as it relates to the professional practice, I was having a conversation with my brother just yesterday and the way I would relay what we're talking about directly to teacher self-care, prior to leaving the classroom, obviously the environment was a little different and how student conduct was managed was different on the school level as well as the class level. And then I was outside the classroom for 10 years, and then when I come back, clearly there is an initiative from the county district level to reduce suspension and the rate of students being suspended, understandably so. And then there's an increase in uh, classroom sizes. So we're gonna reduce the level of rate of suspension, but the numbers of kids in the class are gonna increase, which also means that the numbers of behaviors that could contribute to disruption are gonna increase. Correct. And so the, so the teacher has to
2: increase
1: their ability to manage both themselves and the student. they got, mm-hmm. they got to increase their tolerance level for disruption because that's basically what we're being asked to do. And we have to increase our efficiency in redirecting students to not be responsive only to consequence, but uh-huh. also learn how to self-manage. Uh-huh. And, and so in, in my classroom, it is critically important to me. I learned that um, through my time as an educator. It's important to me that the students know how to self-manage. However, I can't just expect them to come into the room and do that,
2: right, I have right. to teach
1: them. I have to teach mm-hmm. the kid as a class how to self-manage and then the individual student how to self-manage.
0: Mm-hmm. And also understanding that the time that it takes to for an individual to learn those self-management skills are all unique and different. Um, and yes. that also, you know, with you as an educator, you can under you see you know how there's differences and you know maybe not being so hard on yourself when you don't get it right the first time yourself. So then you just try again and build resiliency. And I think understanding resiliency is also a big factor um, in self care and you know being successful in the profession overall.
1: Oh, I I agree 100%, because that's where it started for me. Um, After my third year, I was using anger to, to manage my classroom, and it got out of control. It was a mess. I was a hot mess. I was really poor, and to this day, I grieve thinking about how I conducted myself towards certain students during that time. my career, and I took a classroom management workshop that summer called Cooperative Discipline, and within two years, I was facilitating it for the county, helping other teachers learn the strategies, and it changed my career. It changed my life. Um, I stopped taking responsibility, you know, maybe it's the lesson plan, Maybe the child just can't behave. You know, we start coming up with these reasons.
0: Right, right. (laughs) That you can't control sometimes,
1: too. Right. And so you start focusing on things that have nothing to do with that room that you're in. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm. And so your
1: stress level increases. Their behavior doesn't change. And just learning those strategies. Right, right. And, And we're just in this cycle now of burnout.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, So when I came back to the classroom, I had to learn how to shift my focus from that role I had outside the classroom and the things that I was aware of and, and, and really work on, you know, what's going on in this room. And actually the last four years I was dealing with burnout and it was not a good feeling. It was not unlike anything I had experienced before as a professional, it was new to me, um, but it really helped me understand the content I was writing for my book at the time for teachers, Apples of Grace. And once I read the definition of burnout, then it was like, oh, wait a minute. That's what I'm going through right now. So that's where that whole personal care part came in, and I could see the connection between the professional care and the personal care, and one thing I want to add to that is when I began to really feel that dread that you feel sometimes when a particular student or class comes into your room, my self-awareness was on a new level now, and I had to figure out how am I going to deal with this dread because the students don't deserve this. When I came back to the classroom, it was my mission not to be that angry teacher who was just mad at kids for being kids. Right, right. (laughs) I did not want to spend the rest of my career angry over the reality that children are children. Um, Mm -hmm. So it took a lot of effort on my part, and in order to do that, Uh, You know, there was a lot of prayer. There was a lot of journaling time. There was a lot of self-reflection. And in that process, I began to realize some of the kids, I was delaying taking action. Clearly, the child needed redirection. Clearly, the class needs redirection. And Mm -hmm. there are certain students that need consequence. They need parent phone calls. They need accountability, and when I delay action in that, I'm actually contributing to my own burnout and frustration. So um, that, that was something new recently over the last four years that I really have been focusing on that really is helping me in my classroom as well as just managing my thoughts and feelings.
0: This, this is an um, excellent dialogue. You shared a lot of great points on how um, individuals can, individual teachers can help themselves from a personal standpoint and also connected to the um, teacher as a professional as well. So um, for, for closing, is there any advice, like one piece of advice that you could give a teacher related to um, self-care? I know there's several, but <laughs> if you could do four.: Sure.
1: Uh, journaling. Uh, I've been journaling since 2003, and what journaling did for me was help me to understand quicker what I was feeling, being able to put words to how I feel, and then why, what was the cause behind the feeling, And this is what I'm teaching students now when it comes to self-awareness. And then once I understand why I'm feeling that way, what what action needs to be taken? So I have to distinguish between is it something in my control or is it something Mm -hmm. out of Mm -hmm. my control? And if Mm -hmm. it's out of my control, then I need to work on how I'm feeling. If it's something something within my control, then I need to take action and I need to, um, you know, diagnose what is the – best practice for resolving, whether it's something personal or professional. Um, And by doing that consistently, I've seen myself, those students and classes I dread, um, I'm able to get through that quicker and pour the energy into those classes and students that allows me to actually look forward to them coming into my room uh, this school year in particular, I had the fastest turnaround in dealing with that dread since I've returned.
2: That's good, that's good.
1: So it was a clear indication of growth for me. Um, so journaling, I would say, and and then just making sure you're doing things that you enjoy. you know, whether it's going to the movies, hanging out with friends, art, something, read a book. I definitely believe the self-care, it it extends to our professional practice, but then it's also making sure that you're doing the things you need to do to take care of yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. Definitely. So if there is a teacher on the line and they um, would like to continue this conversation with you or reach out to you, where can they contact you?
1: Sure. So my, my website address, is www.courtlandjones.com. My email address is info at com.
0: Okay. So thank you, Cortland, for coming on Reminisce, the Empower podcast. Um, I know that everyone who listens is really going to enjoy this dialogue because um, I enjoyed it and I appreciate your candor and sharing your personal stories of growth um, along the way. And thank you for all you do for children.
1: Sure, Ryan. Thank you for having me. I was really excited to be on, and it was a great experience to be able to share these things today.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to Reminisce, the Empower Podcast.